Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oh, hell yeah. 
<laughs> Brand new Michael Girardi. That song's called Technical Difficulties, Ben. <clears throat> Michael Girardi, the same Michael Girardi who will be a guest next week on the Ben Girardi Show. We're going to do a bonus segment with him. And uh, he's going to be playing some of his uh, greatest hits. I'm really looking forward to it. I met the great Michael Girardi uh, at the hideout. I think I, I, I don't know yeah. if I mentioned this. Yeah. No, well, not, okay. You mentioned it to me off the okay. air, but not on the show. Yeah. So uh, we were all wearing masks. We were dutifully masked. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we had a nice chat. Great guy uh, and very politically astute songwriter. Interesting profession he has. We're going to get into that. Uh, his day job. Uh, so yeah, we're really looking forward to, to taking a deep dive, kind of having a deep dive conversation with the great, the legendary Michael Girardi. Well, it sounds like I'm not going to be uh, on for that one. So just easy on the Dr. D jokes. All right, please. Oh my God. When you're not there, oh boy, do we have fun. <laughs> no, he was the one. That's right. Now, you, thank you for reminding me. I forgot about that. That was a very subtle way. To, I know he did that on purpose to remind me. Uh <laughs> Mike, yeah, Michael let out, let the cat out of the bag about Dr. D. So uh, the way it works in this show, when I say something stupid or make a mistake, uh, Dennis keeps that in. He goes, well, Ben, you know, I'm really busy. I don't have time to edit the <laughs> show. I'm a very busy guy. Uh, uh, and since, by the way, D's got all these promotions and is outside uh, outside of the Ben Jarrah. Still doing real well for himself. I'm, I'm very happy for him everything. But he's, he's taken to smoking a pipe. I don't know if you know this, folks, but Dennis false, like, <laughs> false. <laughs> you know, Ben, uh, back in the day. Uh, anyway, so Michael Girardi pointed out that Dennis, like when he makes a mistake, when Dr. D makes a mistake, he edits it out. Guilty. So only the host looks dumb. <laughs> it's the charm Dennis, of the Ben Jarofsky show. All right. <laughs> and dude, you're, you're like from the hip every day. That's that's hard to edit. <laughs> it's true. It's true, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. What he says is true. All right. Well, your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, November 5th. Oh, what a week it was. Kinzinger week. And I'm not loving it. It's brought to you by <laughs> what? <laughs> One thing about Dr. D, he's been steady and consistent uh, on the Adam Kinzinger beat. Not a big fan of AK, uh, AK-16, as we like to call it. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. <laughs> I got that AK-16. in my script. Yeah, AK-16. Yeah. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, our sponsors, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. By the way, we'll get into that a little later, his latest column, uh, and so much more. So go check it out. Chicago Reader, subscribe, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A, V is in victory. SKY. It is Friday, November 5th, and live from downstate Illinois in my mom's closet. Making it work, making it work. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh What a Week It Was, Adam Kinzinger Week, and I'm not loving it. By the way, that's a reference to McDonald's, Ben. And now your host, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Ben is Old Friday, and here's why. 
Because you know you're old when you're uh, when Dr. D has to help you out with a reference to McDonald's. Let me tell you something, young man. I've been eating McDonald's long before you were born. Well, that's actually true. I was I was eating at McDonald's before he was born, but I don't believe I've been eating at McDonald's since you was you were have been born. D. Well, what, what was your go to? What was your go to back in the day? You look like a fillet of fish man. No. Oh. Oh my God. I will. Okay, since you asked, I will now tell you. The year was 1973, summer of 73. I'd never eaten at a McDonald's before. And I went with my friends at McDonald's. The McDonald's, which one did you ask? Very good question, D. It's the one on Howard Street, just west of West, uh, excuse me, just east of Western. And I bought a Big Mac. And Dennis, I have to tell you, when I bit into that Big Mac, it was like angels were singing, orchestras were playing. Oh my God, it's so good. And those French fries were so salty and delicious. And I was like, I ate the whole thing. <laughs> I love them. I'm like, God damn, no wonder my parents wouldn't let me have this. This is good. I mean, dude, you just described my afternoon a couple days ago. <laughs> so, man, I was a sucker for that Big Mac. And uh, I ate a lot of Big Macs in the summer of 73. What a great summer that was, by the way. Uh, and then I don't know, D, I don't know about the early 80s. I said, you know what? This can't be good. This, this is it. Um, I'm I'm through with McDonald's. I don't know what it was, but I just stopped it, and I haven't been I haven't had it since. I mean, when my kids were young, and I would you know fast food restaurants when it was my night to take care of the kids. Pretty much, I didn't do any cooking, so it was fast food. I went to Subway, man. That was my go to place. I love Subway. It's man. really good. Subway is very uh, good. It gets a lot. It gets a lot of criticism, but uh, have you had Jersey I, Mike's by the way? Yes. Holy Jersey crap. Mike's. There's one on Lawrence and. Um, uh, Walcott, I want to say, yeah. uh, on the north side of Chicago. Look, he knows that one. Dr. D may move down to the south side, but he still knows <laughs> the north side, Hans. Anyway, yes. <laughs> Jersey Mike's is good. The other day, I was that's uh, I was walking, and I got caught in the rain. I went in with Jersey Mike's, and eh, I may have had a sandwich or two. There you go. Uh, but um, anyway, so that's my McDonald's story. Uh, night, The summer of 1973. Ah, yes, what a good summer it was. Marvin Gaye's uh, uh, Let's Get It On was top of the charts, and uh, Benny J was eating at McDonald's. All right. Well, anyone under the age 35 just tuned out. <laughs> Way to go. Kept it for about 55. eight minutes. We may have lost everybody. Uh, by the way, D, I just have to say this. Uh, before you uh, take the deep dive and whatever you want to talk about, because uh, this is oh what a week it was. Uh, Ramana Hussein confessed. You got a kick out of this. We did a Ramana Hussein interview. Just finished that for to drop this weekend. Uh, she just confessed that she actually went and saw Bob Dylan. Speaking of ancient oh, baby God. boomers, and and she started making fun of the baby boomers in the crowd. Yeah, you know, I took offense to that a little bit, <laughs> but I admit it was kind of funny. <laughs> She's making fun of all the baby boomers who were going to the bathroom during the Bob Dylan. I gotta go. I gotta go. And they were moving up the aisle really slow. Turns out that was Bob Dylan. He had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> like a rolling stone. I gotta go. <laughs> anyway, Monasane went to a Bob Dylan concert. That's pretty amazing. Are you there? I am there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have I not gone anywhere. I am right here. I've not gone to the bathroom. I am right here. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> Drinking uh, some water. 
Oh, nice, nice. Uh, yes, uh, for those keeping track, we do have a new uh, impression on the Ben Jarofsky show. Bob Dylan trying to go to the bathroom. That was really good. <laughs> I've, I've done Dylan before. Uh, my name is Dr. D. Oh. I'm from Alton. Me. Uh, Ooh, thanks yeah. for that reminder. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a huge, by the way, I, I, I just, big Bob Dylan fan, though. I'm a big Bob Dylan fan. Uh, but I'm through seeing him at concert day, as I explained to Romana. That's uh, he, he he has nothing resembling a musical voice anymore. It's just croaking, and uh, he alters the melodies of his songs. You have no idea what he's saying yeah. he, from the melody. You can't hear it, uh, the words. So essentially, you're paying money to look at Bob Dylan. So I'm going to pay fifty dollars to go. And look at Bob Dylan. I don't know. That's uh, yeah. just a little too much. Well, I think you can add a magician under his uh, resume there because he tricked all of you into thinking he could sing to begin with. <laughs> well, we, you know, it's like a repeat of the conversations just had with Romana. There are those the critics who, who contend, and you can find a critic to say anything, by the way, uh, particularly in rock and roll music, uh, that he has a good voice. I. <laughs> Don't look at me, D. I didn't say it. I'm just saying you could find some critics who say that. It's that portion of the show where Dr. D takes it away. So take it away, Dr. D. What's going on, everybody? Dennis here. And you know, actually, before we unpack what happened in Chicago and or Illinois politically this week, let's talk about sports. Oh. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Ben's beloved Chicago Bulls have been making the headlines as of late. Yes, their team is on fire at the moment so far in this NBA season. I mean, more than 70 games to go, but so far, so good. But enough of Chicago Bulls present. We need to go back to Chicago Bulls past. Hey, Scotty Pippen, you mad, bro? The following comes from the New York Times. And yes, I know this has nothing to do with Chicago and or Illinois politics, but Ben, it'd be great to hear your take on this. Scottie Pippen's new memoir, Unguarded, is a master class in settling scores. This is from New York Times, by the way. Or creating new ones. Beginning in the prologue, Pippen expresses anger at Michael Jordan over The Last Dance, the 2020 ESPN documentary on the 1990s Chicago Bulls. Uh, Pippen said, how dare Michael treat us that way after everything we did for him and his precious brand. Pippen writes, adding, to make things worse, Michael received $10 million for his role in the doc while my teammates and I didn't earn a dime. In response to Jordan calling Pippen selfish in the documentary for delaying a foot surgery and asking to be traded, Pippen writes, you want to know what selfish is? Selfish is retiring right before the start of training camp when it's too late for the organization to sign free agents. Oh, Jordan Byrne. <laughs> ben, your thoughts on these comments from Scotty Pippen? Are you, were you surprised well, by this? Was I surprised by it? No. Not surprised by it at all. Uh, wow. How much time do I have, D? Yeah. Uh, we could. This could be a deep dive. Three hours later, you just I'm keep going, and I'll about. I'll nip it at the bud when we need to. <laughs> you can take a nap. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to keep it brief. By the way, uh, the last dance when the last dance came out. This is my obsession with the Chicago Bulls. We did six kind of six shows dedicated to the last dance, <laughs> and they were popular. Meaning that there are other people out there who share my obsession with the Chicago Bulls. 
One thing we know about Scottie Pippen, he has uh, a huge chip on his shoulder. He does not think he gets the respect he deserves. Uh, he does not think he he did not think he got the respect he deserved when he was playing for the Bulls, uh, and he doesn't he still thinks he's been neglected by NBA historians. Uh, this has been just a uh, a running theme in the life of Scottie Pippen. So when you ask me, am I surprised that uh, he wrote a book in which he uh, uh, one of the chief points of the book is that he does not get the respect that he deserves. No, I am not surprised. So now that your follow-up question, which I'll now ask, what? I can just ask my own questions. Who needs a guy asking you questions? I'll just ask my own question. Since you raised that point, here's your, your obvious follow-up question. Is he justified in believing he doesn't get the respect that he deserves? Let me just say this about that question, Dennis. That was an excellent question. I can't what is going on right now? <laughs> You're brilliant. An interrogation. You come up with good questions. Uh, so do I think he uh, is justified? Uh, no. I think Scottie Pippen gets the credit that uh, Scottie Pippen deserves. Scottie Pippen is not one of the – how do I put this? He's one of the greatest players in the NBA. There's no doubt about it. He's probably in the top 25 greatest players uh, in the NBA, in my humble opinion. But he's not among the elite of the elite in the top 10. And uh, so he will never be treated the way Michael Jordan is treated. And it's just a fact, D. You can't escape that. Don't wiggle around and try to get out of it. Uh, the year that Michael Jeffrey Jordan was absent, 1993-94, the Bulls did not make it to the championship, much less win the championship. And I'm just pointing that out, ladies and gentlemen. They did not. And then the following year, they were even worse, 1995. I can go on and on about this, and it wasn't until Michael Jeffrey Jordan returned that they went back to their winning ways. So clearly, Scottie Pippen was not on that elevated, you know, elite status. Uh, and uh, he was the proverbial number two guy. And by the way, what's the matter with being the proverbial number two guy? He's a great player, but apparently that's not enough. The thing about that New York Times story, D, that really, I'm, I'm glad you, you found your way to that one. He got mad at the interviewer. This is like a weird trend, if I may. I, and I will now tie it together. I will tie it together local. Whoa. Locally. Local. Yeah. Bringing it all together Whoa. on the Ben Jarofsky show. Finally, you you guys who turn tune in the show to hear political t- t- discussion and not sports are going to get a little of that. Scotty Pippen. So here's what happened. The New York Times reporter was... Uh, this, the interview was set up clearly by publicists for P- Scotty Pippen are looking for PR for the book. Uh, they sent him the New York Times reporter advanced copy of the book. The guy dutifully read the freaking book or read chapters of the book. So give him credit for that. So he comes prepared to ask Scottie Pippen's questions about the book that ostensibly Scottie Pippen wrote because his name's on the freaking cover. And Scottie Pippen gets mad at the questions. Scottie Pippen in the book said Michael Jeffrey Jordan, you know, dissed me, this, that, and the other thing. The reporter asks him about that, and Scottie Pippen gets mad at the guy for asking him questions about that. And what did it remind me of, D? Good question. Your excellent questions that you're asking me. It reminded me of when Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, criticized Kim Fox for not prosecuting uh, defendants enough. And as a result, she said crime was rampant because uh, Kim Fox wasn't doing enough prosecutions. When reporters asked Lori Lightfoot about the criticism she made about Kim Fox, what did Lori Lightfoot do? She got mad at the reporters. Don't try to pick a fight. 
So it's like, whoa, has Scottie Pippen been studying the Lori Lightfoot school of dealing with reporters? He got mad at the reporter, D. And then he wouldn't sit for a photograph. That's it. I've had enough of your questions. I'm not going to give you a photograph. (laughs) Wait a minute. You came to the New York Times looking for publicity. You gave them the book to read. And now you're mad at them? And you know what it led me to believe, D? It led me to believe that Scottie Pippen did not actually read the book that he ostensibly wrote. Yes. You remember Charles Barkley from that one where he said he got misquoted in his own autobiography? Oh, it misquoted me. Oh, come on, man. They misquoted me on that. <laughs> it's your autobiography, Charles Barkley. Then you misquoted yourself. Uh, <laughs> Three, <laughs> two, one. Okay. Sports talk's over. Oh, wait, I'm not done. <laughs> uh, but didn't you like how I tied in the local Chicago political That was great. Thing? That was excellent. Great job. Well, sports talk on the Ben Jarowski Show. That's fun, huh? Oh, how about those Bulls, by the way? They're doing great, huh? The 2021 um, Bulls, current Bulls. I am not allowed to talk about them. I am censored. Uh, uh, political correctness, uh, cancel culture. <laughs> but they are 6-2, and two, and I'm very excited. All right. Now, let's do the Illinois news. We need- <laughs> cancel culture. He canceled my culture, ladies and gentlemen. Somehow we got cancel culture in there. All right. Uh, let's do uh, the local news. We begin in Illinois. And, well, apologies to our Illinois governor, but J.B. Pritzker is not getting top billing on the Ben Jarofsky show this week. The enemy is you. Oh, come on, J.B. Uncalled for. I never get tired of the enemy. I forget what that was in reference to, but I never get tired. I think it was masks, wasn't yeah, it? it was masks. Yeah, so uh, yeah, he's definitely not getting top billing this week because as the title of this podcast mentions, it's Adam Kinzinger week. I cannot focus on both a re-election to Congress and a broader fight nationwide. I want to make it clear, this isn't the end of my political future, but the beginning. What a goofball. The question on every <laughs> Illinois political junkie's mind this week, Adam Kinzinger, my man. What the hell are you up to? With congressional boundaries now in place, speculation is in overdrive as to what's next for Illinois right-wing representative one Adam Kinzinger. Kinzinger announced Friday last week that he wouldn't run for re-election, saying, This isn't the end of my political future, but the beginning. Oh, oh my. And Ben, even his friends... Say that they don't know all what is next for Adam Kinzinger. Even his friends, Ben. On Sunday, Kinzinger visited ABC this week with George Stephanopoulos. And we could have possibly found out what was on Kinzinger's plate and his future plans. Yeah, only if Stephanopoulos cared enough to push a little further and ask him. But he didn't. So, sadly, we still don't know. Well, now, thanks to CNN, they have the scoop, but... Not really, though, because we kind of knew this all along. But what the hell? Breaking news. Representative Adam Kinzinger is actively weighing whether to seek his political fortunes in the Senate, the Illinois governor's mansion, or get out of town, even the White House. Kinzinger told CNN he is considering at least a statewide run, if not a presidential one, and that he'll probably make his decision on whether to launch a bid for governor or senator by January. Kinzinger said, quote, the key is, how do we restore the honor of the party in this country? I mean, he has a point. Ben Jarofsky, will AK-16, Adam Kinzinger, run for president? 
Now, let me, uh, before I answer that question, uh, go back to the first thing that you did. By the way, that was really well done. Excellent job. Uh, but the first part, which has had me smiling, were, I forget, who were the interviewers with? Uh, you Stephanopoulos. Oh, Stephanopoulos, uh, George. By the way, George Stephanopoulos, this guy is unbelievable. Um, he was such a sleazy political operative for Bill Clinton. If, if folks, I can't say it enough. You should be watching impeachment. Ryan Murphy's 10-part uh, series on the Bill Clinton impeachment. America's not watching it. I think I'm the only one. Me, my wife, and my kids are the only people watching uh, impeachment. But if you want to see George Stephanopoulos and all his uh, sleazy White House glory, go check out that show. <laughs> He's trying to attack Monica Lewinsky. Anyway, um, he can't concentrate. I, I'm paraphrasing from my memory. He can't concentrate on looking, running a local uh, for his running for reelection in Congress and uh, the larger issues. Yeah, the reality is he doesn't know if he can win. Uh, he does not know if he could win on his congressional district. We'll get into this a little later. He'd be running against Darren LaHood. No, not Darren from Bewitched. Okay? It's not that Darren. He's a different guy. There's an actual Darren who represents Congress from Illinois. Get it together, listeners. It's not Darren from Bewitched. That mistake has been made too many times by Illinois voters. I'm going to vote for him because I liked him in Bewitched. No, it's a different Darren. Anyway. Uh, back to uh, Adam Kinzinger. He can't win uh, because MAGA hates him. And, uh, in fact, we had Sarah Bingaman on the show uh, the other day, uh, the political activist, Democratic activist, who lives in the 16th Congressional District down in Dixon. She goes, there's anti-Adam Kinzinger signs all over the place, along with signs that say, and I quote, fuck Biden. And they got these signs, by the way, not right across the street from schools and stuff. Come on, MAGA. Now, MAGA, I don't get it. You don't want kids to be taught critical race theory in school because it's too, what, difficult for white kids to handle, to hear that there was slavery, they'll feel bad for themselves, but it's okay to put a sign that says, fuck Biden up across? Come on, Definitely not going on lumping. (laughs) Oh, yeah, oops. Uh, Could you just edit that out, D? Um, So anyway, back uh, to Adam Kinzinger. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, back to Adam Kinzinger. I don't think he's going to run for president. I don't think he can win uh, for running president. I think putting that out there is his way of keeping Dems happy. He's the most popular Republican in the state of Illinois among Dems. They love him. Uh, and uh, by the way, I urge everyone to listen to uh, our old interview with Heidi. We should bring Heidi Henry and Murray Briel back. The Heartland Mamas predicted that he would run for senator. They predicted that. And they know they're Democratic activists from the 16th Congressional District, so they know. You don't have to listen to George Stephanopoulos to know what Adam Kinzinger's doing. you got to listen to Heidi Henry, Murray Breel, people here in Illinois who've run campaigns against Adam Kinzinger, know how he operates. And, D, that's like a dog whistle for Democrats. Oh, I was hoping we would get a dog whistle sound effect there. <laughs> Cat out of the bag and dog whistle. See, now you're going, but then a dog whistle does not work. It works only for dogs. So your imitation should just be this. Oh, boy, I guarantee no one's. Which is no sound. No one's getting that deep into this dog whistle <laughs> debate. But if it's a dog whistle for Democrats, and most of you out there are Democrats, that you can hear it. And so here it is. So that's the dog whistle. And uh, he's blowing the dog whistle. I'm, I'm going to. Um, 
maybe run for president. And that makes Democrats happy because it's like they think he's going to run against Donald Trump. But Kinsinger's no fool. Dennis, he knows if he runs in a Republican primary against Donald Trump, Trump will mop the floor with him. MAGA loves Trump, ladies and gentlemen. Breaking news. And MAGA controls the Republican Party. So he's hoping to do in Illinois what Glenn Youngkin did in Virginia, which is a little more difficult. Glenn Youngkin was victorious in Virginia, the Republican candidate uh, for governor, by just kind of like going along with MAGA. Adam Kinzinger has openly resisted MAGA. So it's a little tougher hill to climb. So he's going to try to tell Republicans, I am your best shot at winning the uh, governor's mansion, beating J.B. Pritzker or beating Tammy Duckworth. I'm your best shot. Yeah, you still got to get them to overcome their hatred for you because you dared to vote against Donald Trump on impeachment. So, D, I do believe he wants to run statewide. I think Heidi Henry and Marie Bureau were correct when they predicted that months ago on the Ben Jaroski show. But it's going to be a tough one, D. MAGA's not happy with AK, okay? If MAGA liked, if MAGA could just put aside their hostility. Could you imagine if Donald Trump to get would come to Illinois on Kinsinger's? <laughs> I mean, it's just blowing my mind. Who do you think Trump? Here we go. Here's a question. We're going to reverse things. I'm going to ask Dr. D a question. All right. Here you go, Dr. D. Mm-hmm. Who do you think Donald Trump hates more? AK, Adam Kinsinger or JB, JB Pritzker? Take it away. Oh, well, uh, obviously Adam Kinsinger, because he hasn't really, you know, said much about JB Pritzker. And yeah, he's kind of, you know, he's kind of coming on his turf a little bit now, right? Yes, I agree with you. Plus, you know, he kind of respects JB because JB's rich. Oh, yeah. And then but, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> game respects game. Like, right? Yeah. So game recognizes game, but you were close. Oh, close. You could just edit that out. Would you think? <laughs> yeah, just no thing. No, not a problem. No problem. Okay. Uh, and Michael Girardi, let me know if Dennis said oh, that. Geez. We got the Jarowski uh, <laughs> police on me. <laughs> so uh, I, I believe uh, that Kinsinger wants wants to run statewide. Uh, I think he um, wants to run for Senate. Uh, I think that it, I, you know, a week ago I would have said no way can he beat Tammy Duckworth statewide. But after what Glenn Youngkin did in Virginia, I'm Man, these suburban voters, D, whoa, these suburban voters. I mean, all you got to do is say, you know, uh, slavery to them. They go, I'm very concerned that white children be exposed to this stuff. I'm very concerned. So it looks like the Republicans have an issue they can run on. You know, would AK champion MAGA issues against Tammy Duckworth? I believe, D, he would do whatever it takes to be victorious. So anyway. To answer your question, no, I do not believe he's going to run for president. And yes, I do believe he's going to run statewide. All right. You heard it here first, but only time will tell. What will Adam Kinzinger do? Oh, my God. (laughs) And remember my theory on Adam Kinzinger. I think he's smoking some of this Illinois recreational marijuana. All right. (laughs) He's like, you know what? They're zigging. I'm going to zag. I'm going to go this way. He's got... (laughs) and came up with this idea. Will it work? I don't know. It sure gets them a lot of visits on the George Stephanopoulos show. Yeah. Adam, love having you on the show. Fascinating, Gus. Yeah, that was so funny. Like, he, uh, you know, brought up how he's, you know, not running for re-election or whatever, and then Stephanopoulos asked him a little bit about it, and he kind of 
ducked and dodged. And Stephanopoulos was like, "Yeah, who cares? Let's just keep going." He didn't want to. He didn't really want to. He was like, "Who is this guy? Let's just get him off and on, please." Yeah, Stephanopoulos. I think you should do a show about Monica Lewinsky, uh, George. I'm just saying, you don't come off so well in the uh, Ryan Murphy. Uh, I was wondering why in the end of that interview he said, I'm George Stephanopoulos and don't watch that Monica thing. We'll be right back. <laughs> it's like, huh? But now you uh-huh. explain it. So I get it. Okay. Yeah, that explains it all. All right. More news in Illinois not involving Governor J.B. Pritzker. And hey, CNN, get out of our lane, would you? Another CNN story about uber local Illinois politicians. CNN recently spoke with Lauren Underwood. Uh, It says here a week before their party endured deep losses in Virginia, some of the most vulnerable House Democrats privately debated how to respond, pointed GOP attacks on an issue that has been percolating in districts across the country, critical race theory. And uh, yes, CNN did speak with Lauren Underwood. Ben, did you see this article? It was alluded to by the great Shia Cop. Can I give a shout out to Shia? Go for it. Great job. Go for it. Took you long enough. Uh, okay, all right. Can I make a confession here, D? Can I make a confession? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go for it. The confessional time of the show. Shia Kapos, uh writes a daily column for Politico that is sent out by email. And for the longest time, it was coming to my uh, reader account. I very rarely look at my reader account. So I was always behind on Shia Kapos. And I, I was like, ah, that was old news. I won't read it. But since then I got wise and tech savvy. And I had her send it to my uh, old Betsy AOL account. And now I read her every day. And she's fabulous. I mean, she's really good. So big shout out to Shia. She just stays on top of the news. She's got interesting takes on it. Uh, she's not, you know, she plays it pretty neutral she's not pro democrat or pro republican she's just laying it out there and that's uh, so i think she does a great job in keeping me on top of things and yes uh behind the scenes debate with democrats other democratic congressmen people about uh, critical race theory uh, cnn spoke with her a little bit about it i know we've been talking about critical race theory we spoke a lot on it uh with monroe anderson on wednesday so yeah i uh this 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 is a challenge for the democrats uh, and this is this is a tough one. They don't know what to do with it, and I don't blame them because the reality is is that the Republicans have created, and they're very good at this. So remember, the Republicans create an issue, you know, uh, about the, the border uh, danger at the border, immigrants coming over. Uh, be scared. Be very scared. Uh, so they created that one, you know. And, uh, then they they created the uh, the whole cancel culture thing. Uh, uh, they they created like the Colin Kaepernick, you know, he's evil thing. And uh, they turned Black Lives Matter into this like scary radical group that's terrorizing America. And now they have this new one, parental rights uh, and the notion that uh, Democrats are forcing uh, students to learn things that parents don't want them to learn. And they, the Republicans, will stand up for republic for parent, parental rights not to have their children, what, indoctrinated in public schools? And the indoctrination generally has to do with issues of race. And the Republicans, this is where they, you know, the whole thing about cancel culture, the Republicans are trying to cancel the culture. So they don't want, like, the history of race. I don't know. You want slavery discussed in schools? I don't know how you get around. I don't know how you can do a nice discussion of slavery. And the whole thing is, is like, D, they want people to come to the conclusion that America's the greatest country in the world. That's ultimately what they want to preach. It's a little different than George Carlin. We, we alluded uh, to George Carlin. Um, 
a couple shows ago. Remember that, D? I don't know if you remember that, but his that classic riff he does, where he goes, they call it the American Dream because you have to be sleep, you have to be asleep to believe it. Remember that one, D? And uh, I'm, I know I'm annihilating a great line by a great comedian, and I apologize, George Carlin. Uh, but they don't want Republicans don't want that lesson taught. They don't. They just want a positive, upbeat lesson about America as the greatest country in the world and use that lesson to fire people up to vote for Donald Trump. That's what they want. They don't want an honest discussion of our problems in our country. And so they're canceling the culture. They're censoring. They're using their power with government to impose a certain worldview onto people. They're doing exactly what they criticize Democrats and liberals for doing. And when they do it, they think they're just being righteous. When Democrats do it, they think they're like being anti-American. Is it hypocritical? Yes. But to quote Sam Holloway, they don't care if they're hypocrites. All they care about is that they want to win. So this was a successful issue for them in the Virginia primary, and excuse me, the Virginia gubernatorial election. A lot of white suburbanites who were critical of Trump were like, I'm very concerned about this teaching of slavery in the schools. Teachers are imposing their views on our children. And they uh, reacted. They responded. They voted against the Democrat. Now, I'm sure I can't wait to have David Ferris on the show next week and get his thoughts on what went down in Virginia. There's probably other, a lot of other reasons why suburban uh, voters switched to Glenn Youngkin, uh, switched to a Republican over Democrat, I should say, aside from the issue of schools and parental rights. But the immediate takeaway is that parental rights is a potent issue for Republicans to exploit. So what should Democrats do about it? And uh, so this article that Dennis cited uh, talked about behind the scenes debate among Democratic Congress people as to what they should do. And Lauren Underwood, to her credit, Lauren Underwood, the congresswoman from the 14th Congressional District in suburban Chicago, said Democrats should meet this head on and not be afraid to stand up for uh, teaching the basics of history. You know, they should not feel compelled to censor history to appease what Republican culture cancelers. Uh, and there was another congressperson. I can't remember her name, uh, not from Illinois. So I apologize for not remembering her name, uh, who was advocating. No, <laughs> I don't know what she wanted them to do. You know, join the Republicans. It was a typical Democratic response. If the Republicans are moving the uh, conversation to the right, let's join them and move everything to the right. Listen, I don't say there's an easy answer to this. Uh, It's a very scary time for a lot of white people in this country, D. You know that. We talk about this all the time. Uh, So they feel challenged, what have you. You know, dealing with the issue of slavery is a tough one. Um, But in general, I think the Democrats should not shy away. This is so obvious from upholding standards when it comes to education. And if you don't believe that if you think it's wrong to impose uh, like stringent political rules and regulations on right-wingers, then it should be wrong to do it to reverse. To, to I don't even call them left-wingers. They're trying to teach history. 
So I'm with Lauren Underwood in this one, D. I think the Democrats should take a stand. And I think if they take a stand, a principal stand, and they articulate what they're doing, uh, they will win the public over. And, it, and particularly if they also point out how hypocritical the Republicans are. So I'm with Lauren Underwood in this one. All right, now to the governor. Let's begin with phase one. Actually, when it comes to his vaccination shots, the governor is on phase three. <laughs> Or is it two? I don't know. Governor Pritzker got his booster shot. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and one Mitchell Armentrout. Governor J.B. Pritzker rolled up a sleeve for his COVID-19 booster shot Tuesday morning and urged eligible residents to do the same, calling it the safest thing to do. As coronavirus hospitalizations remain stubbornly high in Illinois, despite overall improvement in other metrics. About seven months after receiving the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the Democratic governor said he opted for a Pfizer-BioNTech dose this time around because it's one that has been recommended to me before. And so... I thought I'll try another one. Well, there you go, JB. And uh, before I move on with, uh, before we move on here, it said here in this uh, Sun Times piece, it gave JB Pritzker's age. Uh, I've never really thought about it, uh, how old JB Pritzker has been. Do you know the age of JB Pritzker? And if not, could no, you take I, a guess? Okay. No, I do not know the age. And you're right. I never have right? thought about I've this. I've never thought um, about that either. Yeah. How old is JB Pritzker, uh, do you think? Wow, let me think this through. I'm gonna, you know what, D? I've never thought about this. Weird, wow, that's right? A good point. Um, all right, very so weird. Let's let me play detective with you. I have a magnifying glass. I'm a detective. Are you looking online? Uh, um, I would say we do that bit all the time where he talks about how his favorite music. Uh, he loves Steve Miller Band and the Eagles, mm-hmm. which would suggest he's of the baby boomer persuasion. Don't know a lot of people outside of the baby boomer category who like the Eagles or Steve Miller. Uh, in fact, I don't know anybody outside of baby boomer persuasion even knows who Steve Miller is, other than the Stephen Miller who uh, worked for Trump. So I would say he's a younger boomer. I would say J.B. Pritzker is 60. You're going with 60. Now, let me channel my inner Regis Philbin. Rest in peace. (laughs) 60, is that your final answer? Do you feel comfortable about 60? Feel good about that? 60. (laughs) Yes, I do. I feel comfortable. (laughs) Now you're wrong. Close. J.B. Pritzker, 56 years old. Wow, he's younger. JB, you like the Eagles and you're 56? <laughs> that was my JB imitation. Um, wait a minute. Let me do the math. Hold on, D. So that means he was born in 1965, correct? Is that correct, I'm, D? I'm pulling it up here. I just want to make sure. Yeah. 1965. Wow. Uh, he likes the Eagles. He was yep. born in 19... 19- January 19th, 1965. 56 years old. Okay. Come on, give me credit for quick math. Well, there you go. There you that go. Was, kind of cancels out that know, yeah. false, that wrong answer you got there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, D, I didn't tell you this, but I studied algebra at Evanston Township High School. I got a C, so what's that? Oh, that. great. Um, by the way, did I tell you I saw my report card? Yeah, I think I did tell you this. I saw my report card going through some old papers, and I found my high, junior high report card. D, not a good student. Just throwing that out there, right? Whoa, I was a little embarrassed by that report <laughs> card. How did I get that past my parents? I guess I argued that a C is actually an A. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, so I'm a little startled uh, to know he's that young, and he still likes the Eagles. 
You know, that would make him Gen X. Isn't Gen X more like into, you help me with this, D, but uh, isn't Gen X into like 80s music? Oh, yeah. Isn't that like they like, like who's, the police, man, I really yeah. like Sting. Depeche Mode. <laughs> Who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Come on. I'm just going to say this out. I'm throwing this out there. Gen Xers, you're going to get a little irritated with this. I don't care. The 80s sucked. Culturally speaking, terrible. Okay, you got Prince, Michael Jackson. That's pretty much it for the 80s, musically speaking. You know it. I know it. Let's just say it. Okay, but- movies, terrible. Okay, you got Spike Lee, do the right thing. All right, throw that out there. But it pretty much ends the conversation. And TV, okay, Golden Girls. One good show in the whole freaking decade. We all agree that the Golden Girls is awesome. That's very that, good is show. Agree. that is a very good show. Love the Golden Girls. Okay, that's it. 80s sucked. S-U-C-K. Oh, what comes after that? E-D. Suck. All right? So no wonder J.B. Pritzker likes the Eagles and Steve Miller band. The 80s was so wretched, there's nothing else to write like. Well, you really know how to chase away Gen Xers now, too. That's great. <laughs> Not left with much on uh, on the Drosky Island here, all right? You're voting everybody off. I like the Zs. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Gen Xers, for saying horrible things about you. But Gen Zs, I'm just going to tell you this right now. I do love Gen Zs right now. But you know what? Your time will come. You're going to get old. And everyone's going to turn against you. And they'll treat you like they treat baby boomers. I know it's hard to believe. But it will happen. So everybody loving Gen Zs. Oh, they're such a great generation. Remember, they, they were saying that about millennials not too long ago. Such a great generation. Because <laughs> you're young. Everybody wants to be young. Nobody wants to be old. They make fun of old people. I'm not a fan of this strategy. Uh, you know, going for Gen Z, the generation that probably has the least chance of knowing who the hell you are. So that's that's <laughs> great. Know. Great approach here. Um, I've never heard of this guy. Who? Oh, you, you know, uh, I think I told. I may have told you this story. I can't remember. This is this is years ago. I was talking to a journalism class somewhere and uh, they had never heard of the reader i was there discussing the reader and it was a 20 year old it goes uh how come i've never heard of you or your newspaper this is back in the 90s i want to say the early o's i'm like i got defensive about well you know i guess we need to do a better job and when when i walked away i'm like that's your problem you live in a cave don't blame me (laughs) you know you never heard of me it's my fault what about you don't you have a role in this? Can you get out a little more? But hey, uh, J.B. Pritzker got a booster, huh? Very happy for him. He's healthy. I like J.B. Everybody knows I like J.B. All right, so the governor laid pretty low this week. That's really all the Pritzker news I have. The enemy is All you. right, two times, come on. <laughs> all right, and before we get to the news in the city of Chicago, a public service announcement from the Ben Jarofsky Show. Daylight Savings Time ends this weekend. Oh, no. Yeah. And it's a good time to check your smoke alarms. Here's State Fire Marshal spokesperson J.C. Fultz with more. I want to make sure the expiration dates are still current on there. Most smoke okay. alarms have a lifespan of about 10 years. So if you find a broken alarm or an expired alarm, you need to replace it now. Did we really encourage everyone to test them monthly, but the time change is kind of a nice way, kind of a nice built-in reminder as we're changing our clocks. Best way to test smoke alarm is to hit that test button on the smoke alarm. Mm -hmm. If nothing happens, then either the smoke alarm is bad or we need to be replacing the battery. A little public service announcement from the Ben Jarofsky show to you. That's really good. I appreciate that. And with without that public service uh, announcement, I would not have known. All right, here we go. Are we turning the clocks 
Back. Backwards. Back. So backwards, and here's where the dyslexia kicks in. So when it if it's at two in the morning, do I turn it to one, correct? Is yes. that backwards? Yes, I believe so. Yes. All right. Wow. You you suffer from a little dyslexia too. Well, you know, right. it's twenty twenty one and our phones just kinda tell the time and it does it on its own. So <laughs> That's <sure>. true. <laughs> phone, don't worry. The phone will do it for you. It's like when you fly back, you go from California to Illinois. Don't worry. The phone will do it for you. You don't have to worry. The man of the uh, Gen Z people, Ben Jarofsky, everybody. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Gen Zer, man. I really love you know, D, I cannot uh, what's her name? Billie Eilish. She's Gen Z. I really love Billie Eilish. It's the only one I know. I was going to say Justin Bieber, but he's kind of old, man. You know, it's so he's not Gen Z. I was going to say Justin Timberlake. He's really old. So yeah, he's kind of r- running out of Gen Z. Just the one only one I know is Billie Eilish. All right. At whatever Sorry. generation you're in, please keep listening. That's, I guess, what I'll say. All right. But thank you for telling me about pushing the clock. I hate that. Don't you just hate? I mean, I know you're now nah, you're going to advocate. Well, Ben, uh, the farmers need help. It's sunshine in the morning and you're not up. So it's a valid point. Well, don't thank me. Thank J.C. Schultz. Want to make sure the expiration dates are still current on. All right, that's enough. And now uh, with daylight savings time coming, uh, you know, the fall weather, this week really solidified it. Summer is over. A dramatic change in the weather here in Illinois. You know, let's hear more with the weekly weather report from Illinois climatologist Trent Ford. From the Illinois State Water Survey at the (laughs) University of Illinois Prairie Research Institute, this is Illinois State climatologist Trent Ford. All right. The last month of climatological fall started with very fall-like weather. Average temperatures this past week ranged from the low to mid-40s across the state, between 2 and 6 degrees below normal for this time of the year. This was quite a change from our very warm October, which was 5 to 8 degrees above average statewide. Official numbers will be released next week, but it is very likely last month was a top 10 warmest October on record statewide and a top 5 warmest October in the northern half of the state. Most everyone experienced their first fall hard freeze this week. Low temperatures reached into the 20s down to Cairo, and a few places in Joe Davies and Carroll counties observed a low temperature of 20 degrees on Halloween night. This week also brought a change to drier weather. Seven-day precipitation totals range from less than a tenth of an inch in northwest Illinois to just over half an inch in central Illinois. The dry weather was welcome after a soggy October. Statewide, last month was two to four inches wetter than normal and likely a top... All right, that's it. What a climatological snooze fest. All right. Now, folks, we're coming to your favorite part of Oh, What a Week. The part where Dennis has an Illinois geographical quiz. Trent Ford mentioned temperatures in Joe Davies County. Dr. D, without looking at your phone and cheating, where is Joe Davies County? Joe Davies County is actually right in the middle between Chicago, uh, you know, upstate like Chicago and downstate. It's right there in the middle, you know, a little uh, little past Springfield. Did that sound good? I just no clue. Well, I was like, whoa, you started off so confidently. I was like, wow, how does he know this? And I was really impressed. And then when you started actually saying where you thought it was, uh, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, Joe Davies County is Galena. Isn't that correct? Isn't it Galena? Are you asking me? I had no clue. <laughs> I give uh, another one of my famous quizzes where I give the quiz and I don't know the answer. Yeah. I'm really hoping that the person knows the answer so I can go, that is correct. I thought it was somewhere okay. near Rock Island. Update Rock Island. Okay. So we have Thursday night groove concert. <laughs> Hell Get yeah. groove on with the class of 82. We haven't heard that guy in a while. 
I know. There's something really funny about that Rock Island mayor. Update Rock <laughs> Island. So we have Thursday night groove concert. <laughs> All right, now to the news in the city of Chicago. Don't bait us. Okay, Mayor, we're not baiting you. Didn't even bring your name up. Well, the McDonald's CEO has randomly inserted himself into the deep fryer. McDonald's chief executive Chris Kimpzinski has sparked outrage after the emergence of a text exchange with Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, in which he appears to blame two Chicago parents whose children were fatally shot. The following comes... From TheGuardian.com, in the newly publicized text between Kempzinski and Lightfoot from April, the McDonald's CEO blamed the parents of 13-year-old Adam Toledo and 7-year-old Jaslyn Adams for their deaths. Adams died in a shooting at a McDonald's drive-thru one day before the text exchange. Toledo had been killed by a Chicago police officer weeks prior, with video later coming out showing that the child had his hands in the air. Kempzinski, in a text to Lightfoot, said, with both the parents failed those kids, which I know is something you can't say. Even harder to fix. Lightfoot texted back, thanks, Chris. Great to see you in person. Such a great workspace. And your folks were terrific and on and on. The texts were obtained via a Freedom of Information Act request. Images of the correspondence were also posted in a Twitter thread about McDonald's workers striking across the country. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts on all this here. I know you talked about it earlier in the week. Yeah, many, many thoughts on this on many, many levels. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there is a bias, uh, that's implanted in people's heads. I talked about this the other day and it's, I'll repeat it. Uh, there's a bias that, uh, many folks have and uh, many white people have regarding uh, black people who are shot, uh, or in this case, uh, Toledo, uh, Hispanic kids shot and, it's like I people don't want to extend empathy. It can, actually, it gets back to the whole issue uh, in some ways of uh, teaching history, the history of race in this country, you know, teaching that in public schools. Uh, people don't want to extend empathy because they don't want to admit that they're wrong. And it's like in the case of a white person with slavery, you literally were not the slave owner, I understand, but there is a culture in this country that kind of benefits you if you just take a look at his historical patterns. Not every single white person is absolutely the beneficiary. You know, some people do a little better than others, but that's a reality. Uh, but we don't want to confront it because we don't want to what admit we're wrong. We don't want to uh, we don't want to extend empathy for somebody else because our life is going difficult. Now, I don't know about this gentleman from McDonald's, but his life is going well. But you know, there's a lot of white people who are facing hard times on a whole array of fronts, financial, job related, personal relations, you get sick. So it's like, I don't want to feel bad for this black person. It's just like, just like a natural reaction. Uh, that's uh, part of it. Uh, and then, of course, the CEO of McDonald's is in the midst of a uh, labor battle. Uh, his employees want to make more money. So he's just not feeling it in general for anybody who's making demands on him. So there's that going on, D. And then there's the part that just, this is so Chicago. So, you know, he could, if he wanted to, read the newspaper, read about the these cases, and then talk it over with his wife 
or his friends, you know, just like the rest of us do. You know, I don't know. No, this guy sends a text to Lori Lightfoot, the mayor of Chicago. I'm like, who does that? Well, apparently rich and influential people do that. You know what I'm saying, D? Like, have you ever thought, yeah, really? I, I think Lori Lightfoot needs to hear what I have to say. I think I'm going to go text her. We, we saw this with Rom, Mayor Rom. You know, uh, I forget which rich guy, like, t- email Mayor Rom. He felt confident. Just I'm just going to email Mayor. I forget who it was. You know, it, it happened at some point in the Rom days. And then Mayor Rom, the guy was complaining that Mayor Rom was being too easy on working people. <laughs> That gives you a sense of his perspective. And Mayor Rom goes, I'll have you know that I took away health benefits of retirees. He's bragging about it. But, like, a couple things jumped at me when I thought, number one, the guy felt like he had the right just to email Mayor Rom. And Mayor Rom felt like he had to respond to the guy. Can you imagine if you sent an email to Mayor Rom, D? Mayor Rom wouldn't respond to you. So it's just, you know, kind of shows you how Chicago works. Powerful people have access to powerful people. And that's the way it goes in Chicago. So this guy feels he has the right to tell the mayor uh, whatever's on his mind. And then, you know, she's so, what, respectful of him that she responds and she doesn't really take issue with what he has to say. She kind of gently does, steers it away, uh, you know, like, well, these are really difficult, challenging issues, that kind of thing, kind of response. So that was that was my reaction to this one, D. It's like it exposes the inner thoughts of powerful white people, and it exposes the culture of what? Privilege. <laughs> Entitlement, that's the word. It's kind of random, right? Like, uh, thanks, McDonald's CEO. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, but she couldn't really blast them. Could you imagine if, like I said, if you sent her an email, Hey, Lori, uh, hey, Dennis here from the Ben Jarofsky. Well, well, and, uh, don't get the Burger King CEO going on critical race theory, all right? My God, he's probably... And uh, Ben, uh, yeah, like you said here, it looks like the WBEZ Bulldog Dan Mialopoulos packed a hefty lunch at work this week. Uh, the WBEZ headline reads, Can you call me? The Park District Board President texted to Kim Fox as lifeguard abuse scandal deepened. It says here, as the sex abuse scandal involving lifeguards was deepening this past summer, the Chicago Park District's politically connected board president, one Avis Lavelle, sent a personal text message to Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox and asked to speak with her. This is according to a copy of the message obtained by WBEZ. Kim Fox firmly rebuffed Lavelle's request, quickly responding instead with a curt and formal letter informing Park District leaders that law enforcement authorities had opened an active investigation into allegations of sex crimes and official misconduct. In her text message to Fox, Lavelle did not specify what she wanted to tell or ask the state's attorney, but Lavelle sent the message to Fox at 10.02 a.m. on August 19th. It was 97 minutes after WBEZ first reported that the lead investigator in the Park District's internal lifeguard abuse probe was removed and that he called on Fox to intervene. Three days before that text message from Lavelle, Fox's office told WBEZ that prosecutors received and was reviewing un 
unspecified information about the lifeguard abuse allegations from City Hall's separate inspector general. In an email to WBEZ Wednesday, Lavelle said she wanted to talk to Fox about the Park District scandal. WBEZ received a copy of Lavelle's text message to Fox through an open records request to the state's attorney's office. All right. A lot to unpack here. Uh, Avis Lavelle is, as Nona said, the president of the Park District. Uh, she's a very well-connected uh, politico in the city of Chicago, had very close to Mayor Daley, uh, and then continued a close relationship with Mayor Rahm. By the way, Dee, uh, she is a, of the baby boomer persuasion. Uh, and I remember when she was a radio she was a radio reporter way back when in the 80s. And then the 1980s is getting a lot of shut out on the Ben Jarofsky show. And then uh, politically speaking, she tag teamed with Marge Halpern. God, I'm the only guy who knows this stuff because it's ancient history. And they were, uh, uh, what was it? What do they call them? Like communication chiefs? I don't know. Public spokespeople for uh, Mayor Daley. Richie Daly, Richard Daly's campaign to be mayor in 1989, which, of course, I vehemently opposed and lost, as I did in every election regarding Mayor Daly. Uh, did not see eye to eye with the people of Chicago on Mayor Daly. So she had a lot of clout, had a lot of influence, and uh, continued that clout and influence. Uh, she's a spokesperson or for, she was the parking meter spokesperson, I don't know. She was the person that Mick Dumkey and I used to have to call when we would do our park uh, parking meter scandal stories. The city of Chicago thought it was a good idea to take uh, take the parking meters, which are worth at least $10 billion, and sell them for $1 billion. Because they thought you, the public, was so dumb that all they had to do was go, $1 billion, and you'd be excited. And you know what? To a degree, I can understand why they would have that thought. Anyway, so that's who Avis Abel is. She has a lot of clout, a lot of influence. Uh, she's the president of the Park District Board. The scandal's been unfolding. Uh, it's been pretty much clear that the Park District has, to put it mildly, been burying uh, evidence that uh, there was harassment uh, of uh, female lifeguards by male lifeguards at uh, swimming pools and beaches in the Chicago Park District. They uh, buried uh, whistleblowers' complaints etc. and so forth. And if it wasn't for Danny Mialopoulos at WBZ, in my humble opinion, really being a bulldog in the story, it would never have come to light. So now it has come to light and everybody's trying to rewrite history and say, no, I really, 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 <laughs> I really, really, really cared about these allegations, even though I was ignoring them. Everybody's trying to cover themselves. So the story breaks that Kim Fox, Cook County State's attorney, is investigating this. Follow me in this, people. She's doing an investigation of it. So what does Avis Lavelle do when that story breaks? She sends a text to Kim Fox. Can you call me? And she doesn't spell you out. This is my favorite part of the story. It's kind of a weird thing that says more about me than the story. Instead of writing, can you, Y-O-U, she writes, can you, hello? Everybody's like feeling their inner Z. No, that's a millennial thing, actually. The Z's learning. It's a convenience thing. You? It's the letter U. <laughs> Boom, done, baby. You don't need Y and... Oh, know, get that out of here. Baby boomers don't know that. Baby boomers, like, I remember when I first started doing emails, I would treat them like letters. Like letters? So let's say I was writing you, Dear Dennis. And then, like, the millennial would sigh, you know, oh, boomer. You don't have to say, Dear Dennis. You could just, and you don't have to say Ben at the end. We all know who it is. Uh, and by the way, you don't have to write out you, Y-O-U. You could just write you. And so then people are like, it's like single letters. I'm like, holy, uh, S-M-H. What the hell does that mean? Uh, it, and then someone told me, if you 
type in SMH into Google, it'll tell you what it means. And so now it's like, oh, wow, I get these texts from millennials. I'm like, let me look up SMH or let's see, L-M-A-F-O. I think I may reverse one of the letters. D, oh, clear that you. up when we do oh, the I tell you. Text and email gripes. Gen Z, you don't know what you're missing here. This is right up your alley, guys. So, you know, Amos LaValle, she's showing she's cool and hip and young. Yeah, she may have been a radio personality in the 1980s, but she's not an old fogey like Ben Jarofsky. She knows how you spell you in a text. Can you call me? All right. I think I'm spending too much time emphasizing the wrong point. The point is that she felt she was entitled to just to reach out to Kim. Can you imagine that? Story breaks. Kim Fox is investigating the Ben Jarofsky show for being too obsessive about you as opposed to to why are you? We're launching an investigation into that. Do you think I would respond by texting the investigator? Can you call me? Hello? No. That's like a violation of everything. You're not supposed to be able to just, the guy's investigating you. What thinks gives you the thought that you have the right just to call the investigator? You know what? You know what gives her that right? Because she was appointed to that position by Mayor Rahm. And she's a friend with Mayor Daly. <laughs> and that's Chicago. And then there's this point. And I'm going to say this to absolutely everybody out there who even remotely pretends that they're friends with Kim Fox. Kim Fox, Cook County State's attorney, got in trouble. Yes, you may not have read the newspapers about this. Maybe you were busy and you did not listen to the news. Kim Fox got in trouble with the Justice Millette case specifically because Tina Chen's called her up and asked her to make a phone call or take a phone call from some Justice Smollett relative or friend or ally. We don't even know who the person is. In other words, this little behind the scenes contacting Kim Fox is not good for Kim Fox. So if you're friends with Kim Fox, I don't know. Maybe you should reconsider the whole, Kim, can you call me? I'm just saying, if you like Kim Fox and you know that she got in trouble on this very point in the Justice Smollett matter, why would you do that? That is like so Chicago D. Chicagoans, powerful Chicagoans feel so entitled. The head of McDonald's, I'm just going to send my thoughts to the mayor of the city of Chicago. Like she asked for them. Now, if you talk to her about the sauce on a Big Mac, she may be interested in that. Here's how you could use the sauce of Big Mac on your tuna fish, Mayor Lightfoot. That would be an appropriate email to send. disgusting. But, uh, you know, Mayor Lori Lightfoot did not ask you, McDonald's CEO, what your opinion is of the Adam Toledo case. And by the way, Avis Lavelle, Kim Fox did not ask you to ask her to give you your opinion of the investigation into wrongdoing at the Park District. But at Chicago. You know, and, and here's the other thing, Dean. I think we all agree. The time has come when nothing is private anymore. It's gotten me kind of scared. I think about all my texts that I've sent and emails that I've sent over the years. Oh, my God. If they got a hold of them, I would look like such an idiot. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's just stick with mediocrity and just stay where we are. If we get any bigger, they're going to be looking those at those texts. Oh, God. That'd be really embarrassing. The <laughs> stupid things I've sent on text, including many texts to one uh, Dan Mielopoulos, I should say. I'll let the cat out of the bag. We have a lot of text exchange about basketball. We look really dumb in those texts. I'm defending the Chicago Bulls. Dan loves the Milwaukee Bucks a little too much, I might say. So anyway, uh, that story really struck me, D, as just an example of powerful Chicagoans who just think they have the right to <laughs> do whatever they want. And by the way, do we ever run out of examples of this, D? Remember Lori Lightfoot's Corporation Council? Oh, boy, whose name I cannot remember who had the special, I didn't even know the special lane existed. I've lived in Chicago since 1981. There's like a special lane that you can drive on to get from the South Loop to the downtown. It's like only he, only powerful people have that lane. And this guy, the corporation council had it. Remember that story, D? It broke. <laughs> Breaking news. I'm like, I've lived here since 1981. I even know there's a special lane. Powerful people know, Ben. You're not powerful. So, yeah, every day it seems like there's another example of Chicagoans entitled. Oh, I'm being investigated by the state's attorney. I think I'll just send a text message to the state's attorney. And can you call me? Wow. You know, anyway, Kim Fox learned a lesson from Justice Millette. She did not call Avis Lavelle. She had someone send a letter to Avis Lavelle saying, don't send me texts. You might want to think about changing your phone number. Kim Fox, just saying. All right, in other news, damn former state rep Louis Arroyo. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and John Seidel. Former state rep Louis Arroyo pleaded guilty Wednesday in his federal corruption case, admitting to many of the allegations that ended his political career. His sentence hearing is set for February 18th. It's been two years since prosecutors first charged Arroyo, age 67, with bribery in October 2019. Amid a series of public corruption probes, the case revealed the on and off cooperation with the FBI of a state senator who wore a wire on Arroyo in hopes of landing a reduced sentence for filing false income tax returns. You saw the story, right, Ben? Yes. My beloved Democrats. You know, I love you. <laughs> this is another Chicago story. This is like petty corruption story. Is it the other? I don't know which is worse, by the way. What, what do you think is worse? You know, a powerful Democrat in Chicago uh, feeling that she's free to just like text the investigator, the chief investigator uh, who's investigating her or a powerful Democrat in Chicago shaking down another Democrat. Yeah, that one's know. way worse. That one's way worse. You think the shakedown? Yeah, yeah. The shakedown. Oh, shakedown. yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of leaning toward the other one, but whatever. You know, that's the Ben Jurassic show. Somebody says this thing. The other person says that thing. You know, there's no right. There's no wrong. It's just conversation. <laughs> We're all idiots. Uh, <laughs> remember that it was, I think it's Harry Link, right? Wasn't that the state senator? Yeah. Uh, that he, I remember the, the vehement denial by Terry. Remember that one? I did not do that. <laughs> Okay, I remember that denial. And then all of a sudden, everybody was like really into allegedly. <laughs> you know, but allegedly, got to say allegedly. Uh, I've been thinking of denials a lot lately, D, here at a tangent. Because, uh, you know, my favorite show, Impeachment, had Bill Clinton's denial. They had a whole episode about Bill Clinton denying that he had sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky. Man, I urge everybody to check that out. That is just such a, a powerful and revealing episode. Uh, that talks about the way our leaders 
communicate with us where they openly lie <laughs> to us all the time. And then Americans were outraged that Donald Trump lied so much. The Washington Post was keeping track of the lies. It's funny. Anyway, yeah. So, Louis Arroyo. <sighs> what can I tell you, D? All right. Not well, a good, not a good look for the city of Chicago. More uh, former uh, Illinois politicians here. Uh, the following comes from once again John Seidel, busting your ass this week, buddy. Uh, the Chicago Sun Times and John Seidel. Uh, the headline reads: Judge tells ex alderman Edward Verdoliak to report to prison oh. November thirtieth. <laughs> Yeah. Nearly a year after he sentenced Edward Verdoliak to 18 months behind bars for tax evasion, a federal judge has ordered the once powerful Chicago alderman to report to prison at the end of the month. Happy Thanksgiving. U.S. District Judge Robert Dow told lawyers last year, I'm not going to send Mr. Verdoliak to prison during COVID. He later told the 83-year-old former politician to report to prison last June. Well, you know... Hmm. Uh, as a boomer, I have a lot of thoughts on Eddie Verdoliak, and I, I definitely know that my our younger listeners have no idea who Eddie Verdoliak is, but once upon a time, Eddie Verdoliak was uh, one of the two most powerful politicians in the city of Chicago, and he was the leader, along with Ed Burke, of the uh, faction of white aldermen and one confused uh, Puerto Rican alderman uh, who rebelled against Harold Washington, called council wars. Uh, their, their strategy was to sabotage the Washington administration uh, so that exasperated Chicagoans would vote against him in the next election on the grounds that the city couldn't run with him, so might as well just throw him out of office. It was blatantly uh, racial, blatantly racist, uh, an attempt to uh, take advantage of white fears and white prejudices, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, as such, in my humble opinion, he is without a doubt one of the most dastardly politicians in the history of Chicago. No question about it. Uh, he's arguing his defense for himself in that role was that always that it was political that he, he himself is, has nothing against black people. He just knew that white people uh, had powerful feelings against black people, so he was going to exploit them for political purposes. That's his defense, ladies and gentlemen. I've since had many black people tell me, Ben, you don't understand. Eddie Verdolak is a stand-up guy, and he took care of me and my family, et cetera, and so forth. So, okay, maybe he's not uh, a racist in his heart of hearts, but he's willing to manipulate racism to get more power. So I don't think that's much of an excuse. So that's my attitude about Eddie Verdoyk. Having said that, I don't know, D. He's 80-something years old. He's had health issues. I got to think there's another kind of punishment than sending a, him to prison. Put the old ankle that's monitor on him or something? Well, no. Yeah, I mean, you could put the ankle monitor. Uh, yeah, but just, I mean, it's... The notion of public service uh, for Eddie Verdoliak is bizarre. You know, I don't know what he could do. But a similar argument to the Blago argument. I thought it was Blago way overboard on uh, uh, sentencing uh, Blago. And I just feel as though at, at some point we should reconsider how we mete out punishment. Uh, and uh, so I do think what Eddie Verdoliak did in this case is classic Eddie Verdoliak, and he should be punished for it. Uh, I just maybe that's a topic for another, a discussion like alternative forms of punishment 
if you will. I got one. Content. I got one. What? What if you uh, take these fellas in the, you know, the city of Chicago and uh, you just put them in the middle of nowhere in Illinois? Like you have to move <laughs> to just random, you know, butt lick Illinois. <laughs> it sounds like a, like a, a sitcom. <laughs> uh, by the way, I've been watching a TV show just totally random called The Patriot. Uh, I'll get into that another time. But when you said butt lick Illinois, The Patriot takes place in Milwaukee. And there's so many scenes of just desolate Milwaukee that conjure up Butt Lake, Illinois, which I don't even know if exists. No, no. But, you know, but just like desolate, undeveloped towns. And it's similar. Uh, I'm reading Stephen King's. Oh, man, is it good? I can't wait to get back to it. Billy Summers. Great novel by Stephen King. And a lot of it takes place in some desolate part of a unnamed city somewhere down south in Alabama where there's no development. You're right. So that could be, I don't know, but send Eddie Verdoliak downstate into a, a, you know, a community where uh, people need help dealing with the, the complexities of the law. Maybe he can give some advice. I don't know. You oh, know yeah, I mean? right. Where are you from again, buddy? Oh, hell, get out of here. I just see him giving advice to some guy. Then that guy gets in trouble because the kind of advice Eddie Verdoliak gives you wouldn't want to take. There's just got to be, in my humble opinion, an alternative. I'm not excusing what he did, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just saying there's got to be an alternative for him. I think there's some uh, there's some weight to my idea. You could possibly do that. Just move them away where they can't be a weird, corrupt city person. Just send them all the way to the middle of somewhere in Illinois where no one will want to work with them. Hi, I'm from Chicago. Get lost, buddy. <laughs> and take away their phone. Oh, my God. Yeah, there you take go. Take away their phone. There you, you can't go. call anybody. You can't text anybody. Hey, Verdoliak, uh, hope you like Walmart <laughs> and Casey's General Store. <laughs> and not even Alton, because Alton's a booming metropolis. I mean, we, we tease that, Dennis, about Alton, but Alton, like, it's like a City, yeah, he, right? he he might enjoy himself here. We got to send him somewhere, yeah. like you know, Zion where? or whatever. Not Zion, uh, Xenia. There we go, Xenia. Oh, isn't that where old boys? From? Yeah, yeah, yeah. DB, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Send him down to DB. <laughs> they get along. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. Alternative forms of punishment. That's what I say. Well, if you're listening uh, right now and you'd like to send us some alternative forms of punishment for. Wicked old politicians who probably uh, shouldn't go to jail. Send us a, an email, Show at gmail.com. All right. And finally, one more story here. We have an update on Rom the ambassador. Will he get the nod to become President Joey B., Joe Biden's ambassador to Japan? Play the radio. Make sure the television, <laughs> the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. I don't think that guy has the answer. But while most of us imagined a smooth ride to the ambassadorship, well, it looks like Rom may have hit a bump on the bike trail. I just biked around Lake Michigan, nearly a thousand miles. Senator Jeff Merkley said Wednesday that he will oppose Rahm Emanuel's nomination to be ambassador to Japan. Markley said in a statement, and yes, Ben Jarofsky has already ordered his Jeff Merkley bumper sticker and thermos. He loves Jeff Merkley right now, guys. But Merkley said, quote, I have carefully considered Mayor Emanuel's record and the input of civil rights leaders, criminal justice experts, and local elected officials who have reached out to the Senate to weigh in. And I have reached the decision that I cannot support his nomination to serve as U.S. ambassador. Merkley is the first Democrat on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee to say that he won't support Biden's pick. 
Now, the committee is evenly split between Republicans and Democrats. And a couple of weeks back, by ways of an awkward explanation, we learned that Mayor Rahm has black friends. But does he have Republican friends? Because Emanuel will need help from Republicans to get his nomination to the Senate floor. So far, Bill Haggerty, a Republican from Tennessee who previously served as ambassador to Japan, has backed Emanuel's nomination and introduced him at his committee hearing. Senator Jim Risch, a Republican in Idaho, also said on Wednesday that he would support for Emanuel's nomination, which was subsequently advanced out of the committee on a voice vote. At the moment, both Merkley and Senator Ed Markey, uh, he's out of Massachusetts, asked to be recorded as no votes during the committee meeting on Wednesday. Both Merkley and Markey, Merkley and Markey, like a radio show, asked to be recorded as no votes during the committee meeting on Wednesday. What a bunch of wimps uh, voice vote. You know, nobody had, had to go around and take ownership of it. D, um, listen. I'm at this uh, uh, fatalistic point uh, of life, which I've been in since approximately 1989. So it's continuing for a while where I work for the assumption if I'm for something politically, it will lose. I'm a lefty and I'm generally on the wrong side of things uh, in terms of winning and losing. They might be the right side of things in terms of principle, but whatever. So I assume from the get go that because I was opposed to Mayor Rahm, uh, being rewarded for uh, bearing evidence of murder by being made ambassador, uh, he would automatically be voted in as ambassador. So it looks like that's going to happen. But I will say this. It's such an embarrassment that they did it on a voice vote. So these guys had to let everybody know after the fact, uh, just for the record, I wouldn't know. So I'd like to know who, you know what, the Republicans are ashamed that they voted for Rom? That's interesting. They don't want to go on record as saying they voted for Rom. Man, Republicans are so weird. You're against everything that Democrats do, except put Rom in as ambassador to Japan. I guess this is Republicans' way of saying, I don't care if he buried evidence of murder. So, D, I, I never thought, uh, listen, we aired, we had interviews with Norman Solomon, Delmarie Cobb, uh, David Sirota, all articulating the case against Rahm Emanuel. I urge everybody to check them out. Interested? I wrote columns about it. And uh, the powers that be in the, our federal government, our Congress and Senate and White House said, you know, Ben, Delmarie, Norman, we really don't care what you think. As Rahm would say, two middle fingers up in the air at you. We're sending them to Japan. Moreau tells me, Ben, don't complain. At least he's not in Chicago anymore. So I'm trying to, D, I'm going to look on the bright side. Hey, at least he's not in Chicago anymore. There you go. He's Japan's problem. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. (laughs) That guy in the end. Yeah. Gets me every time. Rumor has it it may have been Ben Jarofsky, but I don't know. Sources say. (laughs) Sources may be wrong. I don't know. (laughs) Sources say. (laughs) That's hilarious. All right, everybody. That is it. Remember, you could. What's that? What? Oh.
Okay, Ben, uh, believe it or not, I'm, I'm downstate Illinois visiting my mom. She had surgery. I haven't been taking care of her. She's doing great, by the way. She's uh, getting up, doing fine, doing her little exercises. I say she'll be up and moving in a few weeks, but uh, things are going great. But believe it or not, I wanted to make sure I was up to date on all the Chicago and Illinois news while I was looking after my mother. I brought the newsroom with me. Whoa, you brought them all the way down to that closet? Yeah, I brought <laughs> It's kind of cl- crowded in here. Yeah, yeah. They're, well, they're like currently in the bathroom. Well, they're, they're, in the, they're staying in a hotel. I said, guys, come on, we're starting the show. Get your asses in here. They're hanging out in the bathroom right now. They're giving me all the up-to-date. And I, What, we got an update? Okay, I think we have an update. So hang tight. They're talking to my mom. Hey, quit talking to my mom. Hold on. Okay, let me uh, run to the newsroom real quick and see what we got. <laughs> hey, give me the story. What? You better not eat all my chili. <laughs> Mom has chili in the crock pot. Oh, ding dong. Hi, producer Vicky. I want some of that chili. All right, this is the point where I crumple up the paper to make it sound like I'm actually reading a story. But we do have an update. Oh, my God. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> No paper in that closet, I see. Huh? Yeah, you got to use that shirt that's hanging over your shoulder. <laughs> I know you gotta love, gotta love the newsroom. They're still on it here. All right, the following comes from the Chicago Sun Times. Uh, looks like here, Illinois recreational pot sales top one billion dollars. <laughs> oh wow, that's great. Tommy Schubert, write that. The following yeah. comes from the Chicago Sun Times, and oh wait, oh. Oh my goodness, this actually is not from Tommy Two-Joint Shuba. <laughs> Color me surprised. I just assumed it was. This is from Claire. I have to think of a clever marijuana nickname for you very soon, Spalding. You know, Tom said, he, I think he may have had a conversation with the editors. He said, you know, Tom's now smoking a pipe. You know, I'm tired of this Tommy Two-Joint persona. <laughs> I want to do other stories. All right, Thomas, we'll let you do something else. The guy was good at it sometimes. He really knows his reefer. That's a lot of money. A lot of reefer, a lot of joints. And I'm not surprised. $1 billion since the start, I guess, huh? Uh, I was really proud of the fact uh, when our show went over 1 million downloads. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was was good times. Yeah, that was a really good time. Uh, So, you know, but 1 billion is even bigger than 1 million. So reefer is still more popular than the Ben Jarofsky show. But we're... In the game, Reefer. Yeah. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, this I'm going to state the obvious. People love Reefer. They have always loved Reefer. They never really believed the uh, just say no to drugs, Reefer madness uh, bit that you put out there, propaganda, brainwashing that you put out there. It was a complete joke. And yet, you know, everybody was so intimidated. No one would commit that they smoke Reefer. You know, uh, they acted. I remember, I, I've said this so many times when we, Mick and I first started doing these stories about legalization. Politicians would go off the record. Uh, can, we, can, can we go off the record about this one? And then off the record, they go, well, you know, I got nothing against reefer. And they call it marijuana. I got nothing against marijuana, but come on, this is a touchy issue. So it's now legal and it's a billion dollars worth of sales. The, the governments of all these municipalities trying to figure out how they can reap some of the benefits of it. It just exposes the utter hypocrisy of criminal justice in America. And I got justice in quotes, D. So uh, I'm happy for you, all you reefer heads out there, that you're getting the smoke reefer in the state of Illinois. By the way, it's not legal everywhere. Alex Caruso, great guard for the Chicago Bulls, got in trouble a while ago. He had reefer, little like remnants of marijuana in his bag or something. I don't know if you saw that story. He was over the summer. So, yeah, some states it's still illegal. It's ridiculous. 
that uh, they would worry about whether a grown man, Alex Caruso, is smoking marijuana. Anyway, enjoy your reefer, everybody. I'm happy for you. And it says here, Claire, uh, Claire Spaulding says recreational marijuana sales in Illinois surpassed $1 billion last month, blowing last year's 12-month total sales of $669 million out of the water. October recorded over $123 million in sales of recreational pot. That pushes the year-to-date total for 2021 to $1.12 billion for recreational marijuana sales alone. That's according to the Illinois Department of Financial and Professional Regulation. All right. Well, hey, uh, new Tommy Two joints. Claire, you're doing great. Doing great. Although uh, I would just say, uh, if you really want to get into the Tommy uh, Two Joints style, Claire, what you should do is say, would you say blowing out of the water? You should say blowing out of the bung water. <laughs> oh, there you go. And also start smoking cigs in the bathroom there at Sun Times. You really want to channel your inner Tom Shuba. You know what I mean? <laughs> Tom Shuba's moved on from the reefer beat. Nobody told us, D. We didn't get the email. Good. Oh, Damn. and for those wondering, yes, $1 billion, not a dime, has come from this producer of the Ben Jarofsky show, one <laughs> Dennis. All right. Still, still buy in mind the old illegal way. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. You know, hey. You're cooking out for that cookie man down in East St. Louis. You're damn right. But hey, that's our show. Remember, you can find uh, previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky or wherever else you download podcasts. Ben, tell us about this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Uh, this weekend's uh, Benny J bonus interviews. We've done two out of three so far. A Romana saying outstanding uh, interview uh, that will air tomorrow. Romana really has a lot of fun with that lady. Uh, Jenna Ryan, I don't know if you follow that story. Uh, the one who said, I am blonde. I cannot be, go, will not go to jail. Uh, she participated in the January 6th insurrection and she went to jail. So that and other. And we do a little tomahawk uh, chop conversation. Go Braves? Uh, yeah, go Braves. Ron, I'm not a huge fan of the tomahawk chop. Man, it's really hard for me to say tomahawk chop. Anyway, you've been nailing uh, it every time. And uh, Rebecca Sive is our guest, a uh, longtime political activist here in the city of Chicago on Sunday. We're talking about politics, uh, particularly uh, the, we did a lot of Virginia uh, gubernatorial talk in that one. So, uh, And then there will probably be a, a show to come uh, about the Bulls, going to do a little Bulls conversation. So that is to come. Anyway, those are our weekend shows. I urge everybody to check out the bonus shows. Very proud of those shows. And uh, DJ Nate steps in. and I was going to say, yeah, let's break the fourth wall here. I'm not involved in these. So also featured in these Benny J bonuses interviews probably a little dr d smack talk that's fine that's <laughs> probably. fine oh my god we trash you oh god uh, uh usually this show is beginning no, you wouldn't believe this he did his show from a closet hello <laughs> all right Actually, hold on hey newsroom i want you to listen to those shows and tell me everything they say about me and get off that chili uh, i'm now break the fourth wall of dj nate DJ <laughs> also has another job Apparently, the Ben Jarofsky show doesn't pay, pay its producers enough money, so they all have other jobs. Um, DJ Nate's job. <laughs> sometimes he's like, I don't know where he is, but he's wearing a mask. Whoa. When he does the, he's producing the show. He's got a mask on. I think I know where he is. Suddenly, it just occurred to me. But anyway. So, yeah. Love my producers. I got the best producers in the world. Uh, and they put up with me. And. DJ Nate and Dr. D. Uh, maybe Super the guys. state. I don't know about the world. In Illinois, uh, yeah, I, I can uh, I can maybe vouch for that. And also, right. uh, on the Chicago Reader, the latest column from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Ben, tell us about your latest column. 
Ron, don't walk to read this. I love this column. It's about the congressional redistricting. Uh, we've talked about it so much on the show. I'll boil it down to this. The Democrats gerrymandered. They gerrymandered the hell out of the map to try to give themselves an advantage of the Republicans. In other words, they did to Republicans in Illinois what Republicans do to Democrats throughout the country in Texas, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, et cetera, and so forth. That sobbing sound you hear, are Republicans crying, crying. And so the general theme of the uh, the column D is if Republicans are crying, it's probably good news for humanity. And I take the deep dive from there. Go check out the latest column from our very own Ben Jarofsky, ChicagoReader.com. Just search for Ben Jarofsky and check out the archives of columns that Ben Jarofsky has wrote. You want to know what's on Ben's mind in the year 2011? Well, you can. ChicagoReader.com. Check out the Ben Jarofsky Show archive. Keep oh, hey, one better. more thing. One more thing. Remember, everybody, uh, the clocks go back an hour. Set those fire alarms. We want to make sure the expiration <laughs> dates are still current on there. Most smoke alarms have a lifespan of about 10 years. So if you find a oh. broken alarm, or an expired alarm, you need to replace it now. All right, very good. I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, Pride of Joy, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as everyone knows, as producer Vicky can tell you, back home and on, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise, take it out petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Play the radio. Play the radio. Thank you, Chicago. Thank you, Chicago. Thank you, Chicago. From the Illinois State Water Survey at the University of Illinois Prairie Research Institute, this is Illinois State Climatologist Report. The last month of climatological fall started with very fall-like weather. Average temperatures this past week range from the low to mid-40s.